Well, good morning. It is, as we just sang, yes, His grace. His grace is amazing. It's sufficient. It abounds all the more. We have received His grace upon grace. It doesn't stop. It's like the ocean waves. It just keeps coming. We are encouraged to be strong in His grace. It is amazing grace. If you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10... Mark chapter 10, I'm standing before you tasked with the third message in a summer series we're calling The Church, The Church. And first, the, the, in, the uh, first message in the series was called The Church's Master. Uh, we are a body of believers in which Jesus is the head, a universal flock led by the Good Shepherd. And it was in uh, Philippians 2 that we saw every knee is going to bow. Every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, on the earth, uh, under the earth, and that every tongue, every single tongue, there's going to be a day when every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is what? Right. That Jesus is Lord. He is the church's master. And then last Sunday, Pastor Dave walked us through the church's makeup, the church's makeup. We were reminded from the uh, book of Acts, what makes up a church? It's a, a body of Christians who are in regular and a, an accountable fellowship where the word is rightly taught and the ordinances uh, are rightly practiced, the ordinances, ordinances of uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper communion. And then third here, this morning, we're going to look at the church's mission, the church's mission, where we will see that the church is the primary means through which God accomplishes his plan in the world. It is through the church. And if you're taking notes this morning, it's a biblical mission. A biblical mission. Quite obviously, biblical meaning it's found in the Bible. It, it agrees with Scripture. It's theologically faithful. And mission in that we're being sent. We're being given a task. It's our responsibility, and you won't find the word mission in the Bible. We get it from the Latin word uh, mito, but it's to be sent out on a mission. I love the Mission Impossible movies, love them, and our family really enjoys them. Mission Impossible always involves a specific goal, right? A task that is set forth should you choose to accept it. It goes, your mission should you choose to Accept it. And then it ends with, good luck, Mr. Hunt. And this message is going to self-destruct in five seconds. Well, we do have a mission. It's not going to self-destruct in five seconds, but we do have a mission. God has given us, the church, a mission. And it's a biblical mission. In fact, he is the source of all missions found in the Bible. And I've listed a few of these in your bulletin this morning if you want to follow along. You don't need to turn there, but let me just touch on these for a moment. And the first belongs to, quite obviously, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. God communicates their mission statement in Genesis 1.28. He said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In essence, that's your biblical mission Adam and Eve, should you choose to accept it. And a second here is Moses' uh, mission, Moses' mission. God revealed it to him in Exodus 3.10. It reads, so now go, 
I am sending you, there's that mission, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And this one sentence, it sums up the leader's mission that extended over all that took place in the books from Genesis to Deuteronomy. That's Moses' mission. And it was to get them out. And then it's very closely connected to the third mission we have here, which is Joshua's mission. Perhaps you're familiar with this. God presents it in the very first verses in Joshua there. Joshua 1 verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, to the Israelites. So the, the mission was to move Israel out of Egypt and into Canaan. And God used, in this instance, two leaders who had two separate uh, missions to accomplish this. So first you have Moses who took them out of Egypt. And then you have here second, Joshua, that is to lead them in Canaan into the, to the uh, promised land. Now there are others in the Old Testament that received missions as well. I gave you two more there. I'm not going to cover them, but you see there Isaiah and Jeremiah. And there are a few others as well um, that are listed. But we want to move to the New Testament. And there are several missions from God in the New Testament too. And hopefully you're turned there already. It's, it's uh, Mark chapter 10. Mark 10, 45. And this one, as you already know, if you're looking in your bulletin, you see it here. This one is our Savior's. The mission prior to all other missions is the sending of the Son from the Father. And here's his mission. For even the Son of Man, verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus' mission was one of service. It's one of service. He did not come to be served, but to serve. And how did he serve? Well, he served sinners by the sacrifice of himself. His life, a ransom. The Greek here, lutron, it's the price paid for the release of a slave. His life, a ransom for many. And it's the greatest sacrifice for those who would believe. His mission was to give his life on a cruel cross as a ransom payment for many. And of course, this, this mission was accomplished, as Paul later writes to believers, you were bought with a price, past tense. You were bought. Again, amazing grace. We who were hopelessly in debt to God, are not required to pay. The debt has been paid by the suffering servant of Israel. Now, God has also given the church its mission. We all jump to the Great Commission. We, we know this. Rick read it for us from Matthew 28, again known as the Great Commission, where we are to go, therefore, and make disciples of, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Very, very familiar text to us. And Mark recorded the same for us in chapter 16, if you look there. Let's jump ahead to Mark 16, verse 15. You know, the Great Commission is found in three of the four Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then it's uh, mentioned as well in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But here in Mark 16, 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
That, I believe, is an excellent restatement of the Great Commission because it has an emphasis you see there on the gospel that Mark makes here. Do you see that? Again, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, by the way, Mark does not include a post-resurrection Great Commission in his gospel account. You may remember that the one Matthew does is after Jesus had risen from the dead. And, and furthermore, the vast majority of commentators now think that Mark's gospel ends uh, back in verse 8, 16 verse 8. And I just read to you sixteen fifteen. But even without this verse, if we were to say, okay, let's just take out verse 15. Mark still on two other occasions, he refers to the same missionary task. Look back at 1310. I got two of them for you, 13.10 and 14.9. Mark 13.10 says, The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. Important word there, must, right? It's indicating God's sovereign plan, his uh, purpose for human history, there are some, uh, we certainly see this in, in the book of Revelation, but we recognize there's going to be a day when the gospel truly in one event is going to be preached to the world. And so some will connect this verse here. But we see that the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. In 14.9, if you jump to 14.9. Truly I say to you, Wherever the gospel is preached in the entire world, what this woman has done, this is Mary anointing, uh, anointing Jesus with oil, what this woman has done will also be told in memory of her. The gospel is to be preached in the entire world. And a side note here, uh, the, this woman, uh, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Not her name will be remembered. Mark doesn't even give it. I mean, we know it certainly, especially from the Gospel of John, but her act of devotion is what is going to be remembered there. So we see in these texts a summons to fulfill the Great Commission, to make uh, disciples of all nations, baptizing them, and to do so by preaching and teaching repentance and forgiveness of sins to the utter parts of the world. Our mission is no longer come and see, but go and tell, right? Go and tell, and it is an important one to note that without the gospel, there is no mission. Without the gospel, there is no mission, no biblical mission for the church. It has to have the gospel. Making disciples of all nations and baptizing, yes, those acts, they adorn the gospel. They commend the gospel, can even open doors for the gospel there. Sure, but they're not the gospel. Much of the Great Commission is a result of the gospel going forth. And do we understand what must come first? Those acts of, of mercy without the gospel forget that there are things worse than death and things better than uh, human flourishing. The gospel has to be the central focus of the church's mission. It has to be. Which brings us to our key text this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Last spot you'll go if you make your way to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
verses 18 to 21 here. The local church is the normal means God has given to fill to fulfill the great commission. It's how God fulfills the great commission. And and I believe that this passage it is a great place to begin as as we examine specifically here Grace Life Church's mission. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me read Uh, From verse 18 to the end of the chapter here. Verse 18 says, now all these things are from God. I got to stop there because that points back to the previous section, right? The transformation that takes place at conversion at at the new birth. Where in verse 17 we see, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, the uh, new things have come. Verse 18, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, their sins against them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. And then that beautiful verse in 21. He who uh, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I was on a flight a few years ago from um, Detroit to Harrisburg. And I had one of the last seats on the plane. I was all the way in the back. You know, it's like you can hear the constant engines and the rumbling all the time that's there. And I was sitting in the middle seat and a guy had a window seat and I was reading something Christian and he had noticed that. And so we engaged in this conversation. Have you ever had one of those conversations when you're on a plane where it actually takes most of the flight? Like it's that good of a conversation. You're going back and forth. You almost forget you're flying almost. And like all of a sudden you hear that the plane's going to descend and that's a short flight, so that's why. But, but you realize, wow, we've been talking this whole time. And this, this man was sharing his heart with me. He, he was going through a number of struggles, which obviously I'm not going to tell you here. But he, he did communicate that he was, my words here, but he was Catholic when it was convenient. He, he was participating in some things related to the Catholic Church. Even in our conversation, I think he re- realized that it was sacramental, that it was kind of works-based what he was doing there. And he ended with a statement. He said, I hope God will forgive me. And I said, he won't. I know him. I know his word. He won't forgive you. Not based on that. That's the bad news. But I want to share with you the good news. And I began to explain the gospel, what we just read, of reconciliation through Jesus Christ. Only in Christ can we be forgiven by God. And this is what we do, right? This is what we all do. This is all of us doing this. You know, getting on a plane, I think there's possibly two fears we have. One is sitting next to an insurance salesman who's going to say, if something happens, are you ready? And the second is probably sitting next to a pastor or a true believer. When you get to those conversations, it's going to press in that way. But this gets to the heart of this passage, doesn't it? It's all about the ministry of reconciliation. And by the way, uh, by the time the uh, 
plane had landed. We were already Facebook friends, and, and I sent him some additional materials, and I haven't heard back from him for quite some time. But the bottom line is this, that, that we are in the ministry of reconciliation, telling people that they can be reconciled to God through Jesus. And the word reconciliation in this brief text here is used five times, five times. And it simply means that man and God can get together. Man can be reconciled to God. And God has called us to share this good news with every creature. As we read, this is the content of the Great Commission. And again, this is a biblical mission given to the church, a mission that instructs, a mission that commands. It's it's our duty. It's an officially charged function. It's got to be carried out, and it has been given from above. And our mission, the church's mission, involves here being ambassadors of Christ. You can see that in verse 20. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. And we are to discharge our ambassadorship in an alien culture to to represent our, our Savior, our sender accurately and to know him intimately. You heard me say that. I, I know God. Sounds a little arrogant, doesn't it? It's true. I have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, as many of you do as well. I know God. I have his revealed word in my possession. His revealed will is here. To do so, to be an ambassador, we need to know God. We need to be able to state that. And the church's mission involves reconciliation and it involves the gospel, right? A plan of reconciliation where we are proclaiming the gospel. We are his representatives, offering life in his name, sharing and imploring others to be reconciled as well. So as we consider the mission of Grace Life Church, let me just here this morning state the obvious. We must, as a church, have a clear understanding of the gospel. We've got to understand the gospel. To be able to explain how sinners can be reconciled to God, and more on this in a few minutes, but uh, we've got to be able to have a clear understanding of the gospel. And furthermore, we must, as a church, not only have a clear understanding of it, but also never, ever lose sight of the main reason we are here, which is the ministry of reconciliation. End of verse 18, still in this text. He gave us, he gave the church, the ministry of reconciliation. In the beginning of verse 19, God in Christ is reconciling the world to himself and, and in doing so, not counting their trespasses, their sins against them. End of verse 19, he has committed to us, again, it's his church, the word of reconciliation. It's a high and holy calling. And it should be marked by passion. End of verse 20. We beg you on behalf of Christ. We implore. We plead. We pray. And this is the church's primary mission. One of reconciliation and the gospel. This is how the exalted Christ carries out his mission through us. Right? We're always to be ready. Always, not just on a plane, 
Always to be ready to give that answer, that reason for the hope, which is a fact, right? That lies within us. To be able to share that. I want to call to your attention now to the insert, the insert that you have in uh, your bulletins today. You'll see it has the uh, title, Grace Life Church, Our Distinctives. Grace Life Church, Our Distinctives. A church is known, you know this, by its distinctives, or we could say core values, uh, talking points of what makes up GLC in this instance. When Grace Life, the church, first began, we wanted to address the question, what are the primary purposes that make up the mission of this church? I mean, if we could boil it down, and here we have three, to three that would be a little more distinct under that banner that I've just covered with the Great Commission, what would they be? Certainly biblical, uh, theological distinctives that we can identify with, that we can celebrate, that we can even strategize around. And, and this is good for us this morning to cover, even instructive for us as members. And by the way, this document, this um, insert that you have in your hands is also found on our website. You'll see a link at the very top of that page there that can point you there uh, later. But this morning, we want to examine the three primary purposes of our church, three qualities that work together in unison. They form a a heartbeat, right? It's the heartbeat, really, of Grace Life Church, the church's mission. And if you're reading ahead, you can see that we've summed these up in three words. Many of you are already looking ahead, and that is fine. Upreach, inreach, and outreach. Upreach, our responsibility to God. Inreach, our responsibility to one another, to each other. And outreach, our responsibility to the world. So first here, let's look at the first distinctive here, upreach, our responsibility to God. Now, one of the three primary or main purposes here at Grace Life Church is that we have to, is to worship God. It's obvious, right? But it's to worship God. Another way to describe this action is to say that we exalt him, exalt him, Reading from your handout, we believe that the chief end of man and of Christ's church is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And this exaltation, this, uh, this worship is predicated upon the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. You'll see verses that are, are cited there. I'm going to read some of them as we walk through this. First Peter 4.11, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion, the supreme position forever and ever. Ephesians 3, 21, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. You know, the starting point of any discussion of worship must be the object of our worship. God here is the object of our worship. God is almighty. Some of you have heard me say this before. There's nowhere in scripture that is any man ever called almighty. Only God. God is almighty. And he is love. And not some kind of homogenized love that we see the world doing. It's a holy love. It's unlike any other. It is set apart. Every attribute of his is set apart. It is the Lord God whom, himself who is, who is higher and more significant and, and more glorious than life itself. 
And this is the vision that inspires our worship here at Grace Life Church. We're a worshiping body, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And let me say, you can even see this in our worship service. Let me just uh, pull out one piece here to talk about for a moment. And, and that would be that uh, we don't take a formal offering here. Many of you have noticed that, right? Uh, if you look at the other side of your bulletin on the inside there, you'll see a note. We don't call a lot of attention to this, and maybe we should at times, but I want you to see this. Let me just read this for you. It's in your bulletin at the bottom there, right after the, the upcoming events, the looking ahead that's there. It says, while GLC does not take a formal offering during our service, we view personal giving as an important and vital act of worship to God. Uh, we, we do. But when we're together here, it is our preference, it's been our intention for the flow of the service that we are collectively aiming our worship upward. Now, be careful with this. Doesn't mean taking an offering in a service is wrong. Uh, not that we wouldn't ever do that for a specific reason. That's not what I'm saying. But even to that point, I just want you to, to, to see that we're that intentional, even in the service. The announcements. The announcements are at the end. We don't put the announcements in the beginning. We don't put them in the middle. We don't want you to be distracted with that, the flow of that. Nothing wrong with that. There may be a time where we may have announcements in the middle. We probably have. But our intent here is just in our worship service to worship, to worship. So instead, what you have in the middle before the preaching of the word, you know, we have scripture reading. We have a time of prayer, a time of singing worship again. And then we worship in the word under the preaching of the word here. We believe that our attention to our Lord in our Sunday service, especially our worship, of, uh, our worship of him right now should be a glorious activity in our lives. We need to be drawn out of the world enough to affirm this glory, his glory, to exalt him, exalt him, to rise above the mundane thoughts and earthly existence and focus our hearts and our minds on his holiness, on his glory and the beauty of the one we say that we know and that we love because he alone is worthy he alone is worthy because there's no greater place on the face of the earth than to be with a redeemed community who is eager to enter his courts with praise to glorify him above the profane things if we're honest that we so eagerly value but beyond the Sunday service, let me just state the obvious. It is uh, in all these things that we recognize that we have a responsibility to God. We have a responsibility to God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 is cited there, which is perfect for that. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So when we preach and teach, our aim is to exalt Him. When we sing and, and sup, our our aim is to give him the glory. When we greet and meet, our desire is to see him exalted. Look, when we counsel and confront and challenge and encourage people to put off your old self and put on your new self, it is because we desire to see God glorified in each of our lives. It's upreach. It's upreach. It's our responsibility to God. 
Not to the government first, not to please man or even to be liked in some way, but to be found faithful in giving him the glory that he is due in all things because he alone is worthy. We proclaim the excellencies of the one who, as Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We proclaim the excellencies of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is a vital part of who we are at Grace Life. And it's a a critical part of the gospel mission, yes? We exalt him because of the gospel, because of our rescue and, and the redemption that we have in Christ. Worship for the believer, it's not optional. We were saved to worship. We are worshipers. We are worshipers. Have you ever attended a a funeral service where Christ has not been exalted? You know what I'm talking about, right? Perhaps the individual wasn't a believer. It doesn't matter. Gospel still needs to be presented. But even so, you find it's not there. And you're in a building of an organization that may call themselves a church, but you're going, there's no gospel here. This is not a church. You may be sitting in, in, in below a, a, a pastor. Someone's calling themselves a pastor and you're going, they're not a pastor. They're not even given the gospel in this situation. I can remember a time with uh, extended family sitting at a funeral and having that experience and having my girls look at me, like lean over, like, is he going to take over? Like, because it's that big a deal, right? I mean, wrestling with, do I just need to go, okay, wait a minute, we need to stop here, right? You know what I'm saying? You ever been in those environments? Well, that's not going to happen here. It's not going to happen. The gospel is the first distinctive. It's tied to all three, but it's part of that first distinctive. We exalt him, him. Our first distinctive is upreach, our responsibility to God to exalt him. You know that. And second here, our second distinctive is in reach, meaning our responsibility to each other. We are committed to the the building up of the, the body of saints here at Grace Life. Another word we could use for this is edification, to edify his church. And edify simply means to build up. It means to um, uh, benefit from in some manner. Ephesians 4.12, for the equipping of the saints, seeking to present each person complete in Christ, Colossians 1.28. And in this case, in this distinctive here, it's the efforts of many that do this. We're talking about gifted and, and talented believers here who, who minister with this sing, the same single purpose in mind. Where the result of their ministry in the body, it's built up in love. And you can see it because of their collective efforts, because of the collective efforts of so many people here, pastors and and teachers are afforded the opportunity to do the work of their ministry. And so this body grows, it matures. Believers are, are united in this. And the local church in these type of environments, and this is one of them, can become the pillar and support of truth, 1 Timothy 3.15. The whole body can be affected 
by this. It is affected by this, where we produce a climate that encourages one another to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. Ephesians 4.1. I mean, have you ever given any thought as to what is involved for us to collectively, faithfully accomplish this? To truly be called an edifying body. What really happens in order for that to take place? Because we here at Grace Life are an edifying body. This is a, a really good opportunity to celebrate it. To be thankful for all those who do the work of the ministry. I mean, perhaps you're, you're unaware of this, that there, there are efforts of individuals that may be sitting beside you, maybe behind you, in, in front of you, that have been a part of this. They've been a part of this on a regular basis. You know, there are some here today that are not in here today, right now, so that others may be served. In reach means we have a responsibility to each other, active members with concern for one another who sacrifice their, their time and talents. They, they seek to serve. They foster loving relationships. They participate in ministry. Wait till you hear this list. I want to take a moment and I want to share with you just some of the many duties that are faithfully handled here week in and week out. Just listen to this. Now, obviously, I'm not going to mention names. I'm not going to do that because you know what happens when you mention names. You leave somebody out and then you're really going to get in trouble and especially from the pulpit. So I'm not going to do that. But starting with the water at the pulpit to the watering of the plants, lawn mowing, Snow blowing. You guys know what snow is? <laughs> Equipment fueling and maintenance. Our entire cleaning crew, from toddlers' toys to the toilets. The care of our infants, toddlers, children, teens, young adults, pregnant moms, newborns, marriages, seniors. Hey, we have printouts, PowerPoint, in order of service, worship team prep, our music, our AV team. Everyone is here at 8 a.m. Every Sunday, so many details just on a Sunday from the scripture to be read to the cleaning of your seats from the welcome center to the big water bottles that are located all through the church. We have decorations. We have a a directory from blessings table to to bridal showers. Do you know who makes the coffee? Who does the laundry? Who supplies the goodies in the cafe? Who is at the bookstore? Who is locking up the church? Who is on the safety and security team today? Who is the nurse on call? Who is available for special needs? Who is setting up for communion? Who's cleaning up after communion? Who is counting for attendance? Who's accounting our finances? Who's handling the money from giving and depositing it literally into a bank? Who's writing checks, processing checks? We've got background checks. We've got the praise team. We have a help team. Hey, we've got a softball team. The arranging of meals, funerals, weddings, baptisms, and dedications, which will happen next Sunday. There's a promotion right there. Who picked up the flowers for Mother's Day when we had Mother's Day this past year? Who handed them out? Who took the pictures? Who organized sit-down meals? Who did the dishes? Who vacuumed the facility? Who scrubbed the stains out? Who moved the tables and chairs? Who maintains our facility? Who's done construction in our facility? Who's even destructed our facility? How about the heating, the lighting, the AC, the technology? 
How about the faithful service of our deacons, our elders? We have fellowship events, youth events, picnics, VBS coming up, grace groups, men of grace, women of grace, all of these activities and more that are organized. All of the food is prepared. All of the various lessons that are prepared. All of the sermons that have been preached in this pulpit and the hours of prep behind it. Greeters, bulletins, inserts, offline, online, crafts and snacks for the children, Sunday school classes for all. Who's been leading children's church forever and a day? Who helps and provides and supplies and prays and stays and on and on and on and on that list goes, yes? So much of this unseen and behind the scenes that is taking place. What an army of saints we have committed to our gatherings at Grace Life Church. Isn't that true? Yes? Can we thank them? Hey, and it's because of you that we get to do what we do. Again, we are an edifying body. An edifying body. And that is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. He says, all things are to be done for edification. And that is our responsibility to each other. Amen? Amen. The church's mission is a biblical mission that involves the Great Commission, the gospel, and reconciliation. And under that banner, we find Grace Life's three distinctives. First is upreach, our responsibility to God, in that we exalt Him. The second is in reach, our responsibility to each other, in that we edify His church. And the third here is outreach. It's our responsibility to the world, in that we evangelize the lost. We evangelize the lost. And in order to do that, we need to create, we have to have, and we do, a culture of evangelism, a culture of evangelism. One of the distinguishing marks of a healthy church is when its members are practicing evangelism. Perhaps you've heard this story before. Steve Lawson talks about uh, one of the very first classes he was in for seminary, and it was Dr. R.C. Sproul was his teacher. And the first day in the class, he's in there, and Dr. Sproul uh, gets up and says, we're going to take some time here. I'm going to have each of you come up, and I want you to share with me the gospel. I want you to share with me just the basics of the gospel, just the basic tenets. And disappointedly, this is seminary, guys. Many of them could not just cover the basics concerning the gospel. Can you explain the gospel? Would you be able to do that? You still have 2 Corinthians 5 open. Look again at verse 21. He made him who knew no sin... He made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That right there is the good news. That's the good news, explaining how we can be reconciled to God through the gospel. Do you understand that verse? Could you pass Dr. Sproul's test? It's important for us. Well, creating a, a culture of evangelism can, can be seen not only in the ability to, to communicate that gospel, but also simply in the effort of inviting others to grace life. We have a, a number of people here, you know this, that have helped to create such a culture. They are 
uh, practically Grace Life Church missionaries in our community. A lot of people know them, and we are grateful for them. And you know who you are. Some of you are sitting here today because someone had invited you here, yes? That's what happens. And that's a wonderful thing. Christian evangelism, by its very nature, should always have these two components in the local church. Communication of the gospel and love. Communication of the gospel and love. And one of the ways that we can demonstrate love is to invite them along. I mean, I'm stating the obvious here, but I, I, I hope we get this. The distinctive is not talking about cold call evangelism. So there's a place for that. Or, or trying to pressure the person to, to plead with them, yes, but not pressure. Evangelism is simply telling someone the good news. It's, it's giving them the facts concerning the gospel. It doesn't include making sure the other person responds correctly. We can't, we can't argue in that sense people into the kingdom. You can't shake them into the kingdom. And if you want to see God at work, here's an easy way. I mean, you need to be able to communicate the gospel, but here's an easy way. Invite them to church. Because as a body of believers, as a family, we have individuals here who do some of that heavy lifting. And I think you know that. We are blessed with a few saints who are known for their gospel warmth. I mean, if you invite somebody, you need to, you, you, you make a beeline right to them and introduce them because it's going to be very helpful for them to be encouraged with the facts concerning the gospel from another person. One final observation before we close the service out this morning. Did you notice that the, um, the three distinctives are informed by our theology? They're informed by our theology. What we believe as a church, it determines our view and our worship of God. I mean, in each of these, how we relate, how we respond, how we react to uh, each other, our, our concern for the lost world. And let me just give you an example here. Uh, I'll use what we believe concerning the love of God. We want to exalt, upreach, because he loved us first. Yes, you see the gospel in that right away. 1 John 4.10, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We want to edify his church, that's in reach, because of his love for his church. He died for her. Again, you see the gospel in that as well, right? And Paul, writing to husbands, it says in uh, Ephesians 5, 25, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, for her. And thirdly here, we want to evangelize the lost outreach because he so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, John 3, 16. So I hope this has been uh, helpful for you in some way this morning. Uh, for some, I'm, I'm sure it's just a good review, a good review. It's important to be reminded of why we are a part of the body of Grace Life Church, what we really believe here. But for others who, who may be a bit new to Grace Life, this is good too. This is reaffirming for you as well as why you're here. Hopefully, why you are here. And certainly what we believe as a local church. Not just the big banner of the Great Commission. Yes, of course we do. 
but it's a ministry reconciliation, and that gospel permeates through each of those points. We take the church's mission here seriously because it is a biblical mission. The Great Commission to proclaim the gospel and therefore baptize and disciple. It's a reconciling ministry because it's about sharing the gospel and it involves our responsibility to God, to each other, and also to the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. You've never intended for us to live in uh, isolation, but as believers to be part of a body, your body. And, and we thank you for the local body. We thank you for this local body. We thank you for Grace Life, for the many gifts that come from you, blessings that we take for granted, uh, the opportunities to encourage and, and edify that we let pass. And so it's our prayer this morning. It's our prayer that we ask for your help to cultivate these distinctives in our church, in your church, uh, to exalt you rightly, to edify one another in a way that's going to promote godliness and, and growth, and to evangelize those you've placed in our paths. We want to be known as a stronger, a more uh, unified, love-filled church in this community but not for our glory, not because of us, but for you, for your glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.